0: I'm Stephen Downey and you are very welcome to episode 45 of the Mindful Living Guide. This week, uh, I'm very honoured to have a guest um, on who I met uh, just before Christmas at an event where he was sharing his story and he's such a powerful, powerful uh, storyteller. Uh, I was swept along on the journey of resilience and determination and not giving up And just embracing our own journey. So I am delighted to get to sit down and chat today to Brian Downs, a fabulous uh, speaker and an adventurer. And I think you'll get a lot from this episode. Brian has some amazing uh, advice to give and um, just that ability to just share that common community spirit as well. Um, We speak about uh, an old Irish uh, tradition Uh, called metal and uh, I think you'll get a lot from it so listen sit back and enjoy this week's episode of the mindful living guide You are so welcome to this episode of the Mindful Living Guide, and I am so excited to have this guest on today. Um, I saw our guest speaking just before Christmas, and I was blown away by their storytelling, their resilience, their just ability to bring people on a journey, and um, I think that we'll learn an awful lot from our guest today. Our guest is Brian Downs. He's a solo entrepreneur of over 25 years experience in leadership and development, and He's passionate about helping leaders create an uh, an environment that improves both their lives of people in work and in their own life. Brian describes himself as someone who has pushed himself physically, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually. Sometimes winning, sometimes losing, but always learning. Brian Downs, you are so welcome to the Mindful Living Guide.
1: Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be
0: here. Listen, let's go back. You look. You're you're now. You speak in uh, the the area of resilience and leadership and that, but that wasn't always your journey. Did Mara? You started out in training to be in accountancy.
1: Yes. So uh, when I was in school, uh, in all honesty, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Right. Yeah. And uh, what I didn't know then, but I know now, is that I have ADHD. Um. Mm. So very smart, but just a little bit all over the place is 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 the best way for me to describe it. So. Um i studied accountancy and on, on my mother's encouragement um i didn't enjoy it uh i knew i knew as I was doing it that I didn't want to do this and I never worked as an accountant um it's a good uh it's a good grounding for business for sure uh, and it, it helped along the way for sure but just the idea of being an accountant never never appealed to me um and i went off and Many different directions <laughs> over the what, years, and did lots of different things.
0: Was was there a day when you realised this is not this is not the life I want to lead, and that you decided, right, hell with this, I'm doing my own thing.
1: Um, I, I don't know if I could pinpoint a day, mm-hmm. but you know, I always wanted to know. I always knew I wanted to work for myself in some capacity. I mean, I yeah. I had my first business at eighteen. Um, very small, and you know, while it was while it was a student, and um, and I think I've always been kind of drawn to doing different things and and do multiple things at the same time. I guess, and, and I I suppose that's part of my ADHD brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I I knew I knew while I was a student that I I was never I wasn't going to be an accountant. Um, so when I did leave college, I was. I, I don't know if I said this in, in the talk that day, but when, when I was a student, if you'd asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, my answer was very simple. I want to be a millionaire. Never thought about how or why or anything like that. Um, But that that's what I wanted to do. and I, So I was kind of behaving as if, you know, money was probably the most important value. I quickly learned it wasn't. Uh, well, actually, maybe not that quickly, but quickly enough, I learned that it wasn't the most important thing, at, at least for me. Um, But I... I when I came out, um, I went to Australia to play hockey um, and got a job while I was there with Zorik Insurance. Uh, I was a, a corporate account manager. It's a, it's a sales type job, relationship job, which I actually really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, And when I came home, I, I came home after about a year and a half, came back to Ireland, Uh I got a job again in in the account management arena with a company called Excel Logistics, who were, who were a, an enormous company at the time, that something in the region of one hundred and seventy thousand employees. Since has been has been bought by um DHL, mm-hmm. and they merged. They became DHL. Excel became DHL, uh, and then uh, I moved on to a, another company in the same industry a company called Expeditors, who again would have been one of the big companies worldwide. Um, and I was a global account manager for them. Um, and that, that was the last corporate job that I had, uh, because then I went into business with the, with, with some people. Um, and we, we grew a, a fairly sizable business, but I got to do a lot of different things. So I was a commercial director in that, in that orga- organization. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we had multiple interests. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where I learned that money wasn't my most important value. Don't get me wrong; I love making money, yeah. uh, but I I figured that actually people were far more important. Um, and and uh, after kind of, I guess, about six and a half years, I walked away from that business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd already started to retrain, so I I'd studied coaching and uh, linguistics and I I got interested in behavioral science and and, and psychology uh I I qualified as a hypnotherapist even at one stage, not because I wanted to be a hypnotherapist uh, yeah. or a therapist of any kind, but just because I was interested in it and, yeah. and it it gave a little a little uh, slightly different insight into how the mind works. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I started out my own in two thousand and eleven ish, uh, and it was a, a rocky first year. In my, I think my first year I I generated about eight grand in revenue, um. But uh, I've been going at it since, and and it's it's grown, and uh, I've I've collaborated with lots of different and interesting people, and one in particular, Michael John McNamara. We have a a business called Performance Nerds, um, mm-hmm. who who would have a ver- a fairly similar outlook to me, uh, our philosophy is it were. Sounds like a,
0: a a deep understanding because all, all like the, all the neural linguistics, the NLP that, it's a deep understanding of how people think and how people approach.
1: I, I guess I do. I'm always learning. Um yeah you know, I, I think it, it goes well with a kind of a, a natural interest in people um and a natural empathy. Um I'm 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 pretty good at understanding people and, and meeting them where they are as it were. Um but yeah, I, I look. It, it's 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 a never-ending learning journey. You, yeah. you just keep pushing on and reading new books and listening to podcasts mm-hmm. and you know learning now is so much easier than it used yeah. to be twenty years ago because there's so much information out there, uh, and and there's lots of people like yourself bringing bringing podcasts that are learning opportunities, loads of really really good books. So um, that's how I uh, how I do a lot of my learning, obviously.
0: And you've also got um, you've a background in. At the same time in a kind venture in um in discovery, in um I know you you've done um not only a ultra Ultramartin, but Ultramartin on a mountain as well. Was that right?
1: I've done lots of yeah. lots of different things. I've yeah. I've been I've been a sports nut since I was a kid. Yeah. Um and you know, as as a teenager, I was involved in lots of different sports. Um hockey was the one I did well at but also I I think part, one of the stories I told that day when you when you were yeah. uh, at, at that event um was about climbing Carrauntool which is Ireland's highest mountain for the first time when I was 11 and and it was my dad brought me up um and dad ha- had a huge interest in the outdoors he'd been he's been in the scouts since he was 10 years old mm-hmm. uh, he's 73 now um and that that was a real catalyst for me not just in 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 kind of experiencing that adventure but in how dad kind of led me along the way and and pushed me and challenged people he he was he was there supporting the whole time um and I've been up that mountain hundreds of times I've run it I've hiked it I've brought people up you know and and that informed a lot of how I chose to look at life in general um mm-hmm. and looking at an adventure in in different ways, I guess. So, yes, these physical adventures, very important to me and pushing my body and pushing myself, you know, uh, has always been important. And I've run all sorts of things and climbed lots of big mountains. And, you know, I mean, this time last year, I was in Mongolia, uh, crossing 100 miles of frozen lake, which was epic. I mean, if anybody ever gets the chance to go to Mongolia, go. Trust me, you won't regret it. It's an amazing place. Um, but then, what, lo- lo- sorry, go no, ahead, Stephen.
0: No, I was gonna say, one thing I really got from when you were talking, actually about that experience with your dad, um, and one thing that will always sit with me is that it seemed like he was helping you, but he wasn't directing you. And no. that he was allowing you to fail uh, yes. and, and keep going. And I thought that was such an important, important step that there's so many people that they, they try to direct people in certain ways, but they're afraid to let someone fail. Um,
1: failure is part of the process of any success you'll have you know I'm not afraid of failing don't be wrong I don't like it and it hurts sometimes and and you know but it is an opportunity to say okay I've learned something here do I want to have another go and if I do how am I going to do it differently um, and I think we can all do that in, in various ways and That's, I guess that's part of that emotional adventure that, that I would talk about as well in, in yeah. In, in terms of examining ourselves and saying, okay, I've done this. I gave it hundred percent. Now, can I give it a hundred percent in a different way? Do I want to, um, and asking ourselves those questions, that that reflection is really, really important. At least as I see the world, because we learn an awful lot about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think a lot of people are reluctant to do that or, you know, where we, we do kind of protect people from failure to an extent. And I, I think that, I genuinely think that's the wrong thing to do. Um I, I think it's important to learn to fail, especially when we're young.
0: I'm noticing that a lot in um even just like um I've I've young kids like and um them been involved in GA and in um in athletics and there's a big focus on everybody winning and everyone having a sense of pride. And I, I just I think that while that is important it, I think it's it, like exactly what you're saying, though. It, we have to teach people that it's okay to fail. That failure is part of the process. Um, it's like I was saying in the introduction that it's it's like you're sometimes losing, but you're always learning uh, as what you've said in the past as well.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I think this idea of participation medals is an awful idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you can fight. You can certainly help kids to find pride in their performance, even when you lose. Yeah. But, Life is a series of winning and losing, you know, and and, and we can learn so much from losing. I, I'm talking in the sporting arena specifically. Yeah. Now yeah. we can learn so much from from losses that when we protect people from it, I worry that we're not learning enough. That that we you know we're not building that resilience and that emotional flexibility that we can apply in other areas of life. Personally, I've taken so much from sport uh, over the years and learned so much had some tough experiences, had some amazing experiences. um, But it was always, you know, there's a win and loss situation. Mm-hmm. And and that's true of everything we'll, we'll ever do. There will be a win and loss situation. So we need to learn and understand that it's okay to lose, you know, and if you lose having done your best, there's a lot of pride you can take from that, you know, but there's also a lot of learning. Okay. That was my best. Now, how can I improve? How can I, how can I, uh, uh, how can I, improve my performance so that i can do better next time and this is true even of you know mature leaders in in any business that mm-hmm. and i i think you know very often they're very good at this at, at that reflection of 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 looking at okay here were the circumstances the performance isn't what we wanted it to be okay how can we make it better mm-hmm. what can we do what what tweaks can we make and and very often it's it's just that it's just tweaks you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean a a, a huge transformation or huge, um, a reorganization or whatever. It, it a lot of times just tweaks.
0: I think mean, probably that's that's what a lot of leaders um would fear as well is that when someone comes in to help them that they're, they're going to make massive transformational changes that will be uncomfortable. But it's it's really isn't it about that? It's about that tweaking, just keeping slightly outside your comfort zone. But still pushing it and pushing it and pushing it because if you if you if you try to make those transformational changes all in one go, it's it's not going to work because you're you're going to be so uh, discombobulated really that it's it's too hard.
1: Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I think the value of somebody like me is an objective view, and there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of people like me out there. I I'm yeah. I I I don't claim to be unique or anything like that but uh, it's that objective view and it, it's that ability to, ability to ask tough questions to give somebody yeah. something to reflect on yeah. um that they may not have considered before uh so there the, there's a lot of value in that right yeah. um and, and a lot of the time people from the outside can see things that you can't see yourself yeah. um so yeah, it, it can be useful, and, and you know what, from my perspective, it can be a lot of fun as well. Uh, yeah. To see to see somebody have maybe have that aha moment, or to see somebody push back and and, and really get into a into a tough conversation, I love that. You know, a bit of a, a bit of to and fro, you know,
0: challenge themselves. The mm-hmm. um, one thing I, want to, I wanted to chat to you a lot about as well is because I know um, and I said in the introduction as well is that um. You have put yourself in not only physically, not emotionally, but uh, spiritually. Um, can you talk a bit more about the spirituality side of yourself and what what that means to you?
1: Sure. Um, again, I, you know, it's 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 an ongoing process, Stephen. Um, it, so, it, I as I said earlier, I have ADHD, but I also have a severe anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. and. That is an emotional challenge, an emotional adventure, I suppose, in many senses. But yeah. um, going through um, therapy, which I, again I'd recommend for everybody, therapy is amazing. If you if you can, you should. Um, has kind of pushed me to look at at things differently. Now I'm I'm not religious in any way. Uh, when I when I speak about spiritual adventure, I really mean exploring myself and 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 maybe the bigger questions and you know. What do I believe? Um, uh, you know, how do I exist in the world? Uh, how how do I create my own world? Um, and and looking at that through different lenses, I I guess is is, is the best way to put it. Um, I have a partner who is is uh, involved in in mindfulness and well being, and she's very developed in in, in her spiritual sense, uh, far more than I. Um, but we get to talk about these things and, and and uh you know I, I i think about death and what that means and and uh what does living mean um and again it's it's it, as you know it's, it's a very personal thing right you yes, know that, that that kind of spiritual journey is is a very personal thing and people have their own takes on it and yeah that's fine that's absolutely fine but i think it's important to to address these things
0: to To reflect uh, on yeah. on what we think about the world, all right?
1: Yeah, and and yeah. it's cert- it, it has certainly helped me manage my anxiety. Yeah, for sure. You know, I I mean, I, I went through a period where I was having panic panic attacks almost every day, um, and that was very very challenging emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would not have been a, a religious or a spiritual person at all. Yeah. Um, to me, at that point, it was very woo. Yeah. If you'll forgive the term.
0: No, I've, um, I've used that term many times on the podcast, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but but the first the first panic attack I had, I was on my own in the office with nobody there uh, mm. and, and I I really didn't know what was happening. I thought, jeez, am I having a heart attack here? Um, uh, Long story short, I got myself to the hospital, which wasn't too far away Yeah, uh, and brought into, into the triage room. Uh, there was a doctor in her, so I will never forget this nurse. I never got her name. Mm. The thing I remember most is her eyes right. and she was she was amazing and she talked me down essentially yeah um, but before I left she said to me um, uh, she asked for us st- to, you know did, did I have a stressful job and I told her what I did and it probably was quite stressful um, and she ever she said have you ever heard of mindfulness do you, do you know do you know what mindfulness is yeah and I said uh, I, I did but I said no 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 and she kind of gave me a brief explanation and in my head I was yeah. Okay,
0: yeah
1: forget it <laughs> not going that's not going to happen uh and I walked out the door out the door of the hospital, committing to myself that I was never going to tell anybody about this. I was never going to tell anybody about the, the panic attack or anything like that. Yeah. And then this started happening more for kind of two years right. that was happening without me telling anybody. Yeah. Um and I eventually went to my doctor and he was amazing. And he sent me to a to a psychotherapist uh at my at my request. Yeah. Um and she she was she was a godsend. Um, but it, it started me to think more about And particularly mindfulness And, and how how yeah. I do things um And You know Running became a really important Mindfulness activity for me uh, But there was also something else That I had done for years That, that my grandmother's Kind of got me involved in and That was cooking wow. I love cooking Yeah I love to cook And I love to cook for other people Yeah uh, I'm not a fancy cook or anything like that Yeah But I, I think I, I can cook food That people like And it Tastes good, so um, yeah. that become that, that that became something more mindful for me, and still is. Um wow. And spending time in the mountains became a very mindful activity for me. because I've done yeah. a lot of it on my own.
0: What I absolutely love about this podcast and about bringing people on this podcast is that every now and again, someone t- says something that I'm like, "Oh, I hadn't thought about that," you know. And yeah. like what you're mentioning about uh, about cooking, and that it's another activity that you can literally just be so present in. And uh, just get so so involved in, and it's that's the beauty, I think, and uh, one of the reasons why I do this podcast is because so many people think of mindfulness as one specific thing, and I think, and what you've just proved there is that it's about bringing your own take on right. What does it mean to be fully present for me, and what kind of task can I do? And as you were, there was so many reminders when you were. Talking there about your introduction to when she mentioned mindfulness, I actually had extremely similar situation where I had a severe panic panic attack. Actually, thinking I was having a stroke, ended up in an ambulance in the hospital, and a doctor actually said to me, um, "You're stressed,"
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, that's how I ended up literally looking up mindfulness courses that night. And and then so that I didn't realize that the similarity in the journey. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. I,
1: I've heard this story so many times, Stephen. You're yeah. not alone. Yeah.
0: No, there's many oh, people many- out there.
1: So yeah. many people uh, do it. Uh, what's his name? The radio DJ Dermot Whelan is yeah. doing his he, yeah. mind- mindful. Yeah. I mean, similar story. You yeah. know, he was on the side of the road and had yeah. had, a, had a panic attack and, and
0: on, on the way to a, an event, I think it was. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: right. I think it was the Lass in Kilkenny.
0: Yeah, and, that was it.
1: But it, it, it's it's a common story, and and yeah. it's that kind of that kind of intense fear that yeah. oh my god, I'm going to die, and and that's what it is. You know mm-hmm. that that's the essence of a panic attack. Yeah. Um, certainly triggered some changes. Now, it took me a little while to get there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and to but make that decision. But to that's that's that road such road an road. important part, though, as well, is that like if someone said, right, you need to do X, X is Y, and you should be doing this and you should be doing that. That, that I don't think that is the way to do it. It's, it like even if it takes a while to get to it, mm-hmm. it's very important that it's on your own terms and uh, well, you you're embracing it in a way that that suits you.
1: Yes, for sure, and you know, I, I think um my my ultra competitive nature and stubbornness uh, was there. Saying, no I can beat this myself. I can beat this yeah. myself. This is I'm going to be fine. I look, it's fine. I, I yeah. don't need to tell anybody. I keep it to myself. And there was this, uh, there was a degree of shame to that too, mm-hmm. that that you know uh, I have had a panic attack and you know it was anxiety and that's weak and all yeah. that other kind of shite that 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 some people spout out. It's not. Yeah, you know. But I was in that. That was that was where my headspace was at the time. Yeah. Um. And when I, I, I do remember particular, particular day when I made the decision to go see my doctor. Mm. You know, it was a it was a Wednesday morning. I said, "No, nope, I'm done. I've got I've got to go see my doctor." And I got my car and I drove to his office. I had "No appointment." Yeah. Uh, I I had a good relationship with my with my GP. Um. And uh, yeah, I sat down and told him what was going on, and he was amazing. Brilliant. Amazing, it, yeah. I, I couldn't have asked for better. In fairness, uh, he completely got it. Um, I, I did. Um, I did let the uh, medication for a little while for yeah. I think about six months. But <laughs> the deal I struck with him was that okay, I'll do minimum dose, minimum term, and you have to, you have to, um, you have to recommend a a, a talk therapist for me. He said, "Grant, no problem, let's do that," and it it, it, it was a huge help.
0: And it's, it's amazing, and I think it actually it's it's important to talk about that for anybody that. It's it's different to different people. That different things will work for different people as well. But I think one thing that is amazing on most people's journey is talking and just um. It's it's. I think it's like like you were saying. And there's so many men in the same exact same situation that they feel like they if something like that happens to them, it's something they they can't share and can't talk about. But it's like I know from my own journey that it wasn't until I actually was chatting to a therapist and actually talking out loud about this is this is how I feel and this is how I've been approaching things that. It was like a freedom, and uh, mm-hmm. to, to actually to, to actually get that off your chest. Um, you no, know, it's thanks for sharing that. It's actually amazing.
1: One one of the things I love to do is, is take people into the mountains. Yeah, uh, or just just out in nature into the mountains because, and especially people who haven't done it before or haven't done much of it before, because yeah. uh, you see uh, over the course of a, of a five or six hour hike, the barriers come down. Yeah. I it, it's just being. I think it's just being in nature, and and you know, I, I talked about my awe at the mountains that that, that first time I went to Karen Tool, and I see that in, in other people. And I if I, if if I take people up, um, and 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 when the barriers drop, people just start to talk, and you hear their stories, and you and then they talk to each other, and it's one of the wonderful things about uh, about getting out there and and getting out for a hike, and um, mm. just the chats and, and and meeting people and with with performance nerds we, we actually in particularly in the summertime so we we'll probably start again in 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 April or May we do a monthly meh we call it a me hike um so me is an Irish word it's, it's and it,
0: it's, it's, it's something my I job. have my list of things I want to talk to you about because that <laughs> that was one of the transformational things about your talk sorry I'm interrupting you sorry go ahead, no, go ahead yeah. uh,
1: but but it, it just brings business people together and and and, and people who are who it, it's an open invitation we put it out in LinkedIn but um we've brought groups together uh loads of groups together in, in you know, sometimes in the east coast sometimes out west um and just the talk you know it's, it's it we we tend to limit it to kind of a, a two and a half to three hour hike mm-hmm. but just the chats that happen and the connections that happen and, and it's it's lovely to see it and it's lovely to be able to facilitate something like that you know
0: can, can you give a bit of background, actually, about the word metal and where it comes from? Because I think this sure. is fascinating. It's a, for people because this podcast goes out to there's a, a fair bit in the UK and in Europe or something that mightn't actually understand the term. Mm.
1: So, so it's it, it's an Irish word. It's it, it's it's origins as far as I as far as I can research it back in the 1700s, um, and it's it's literal translation is cooperative or work team. Now, how this used used to manifest itself is. Um, uh, particularly in in the farming communities where you know in that time it was a lot about survival, you know, uh, and it was the idea of helping helping each other out. So you know you could have neighbor to simplify. You could have neighboring farms, uh, and you have Farmer Mary and Farmer John. So Farmer Mary farmed potatoes. Farmer John was a dairy farmer, and and you know he he might have been cutting silage. And they'd have some labor intensive periods over the course of their year. So. So for Mary it was planting uh, and then harvesting her crop, and 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 for for John it might have been cutting silage and, and calving. Let's say what would happen is that, let's say uh, Mary's harvesting her potato crop. Well, John and his family would all head up to, to to Mary's farm, and these these may have been very small farms. Uh, Bearing in mind that, but uh, and if they had some neighbors or, or other people from the community, they'd form what was called a mehel and they'd, they'd all go up to Mary's farm and they'd help. They'd get stuck in, they'd be you know, pulling up potatoes and stacking them and all of the rest. And 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 they'd, they'd do that every day until until the job was done. They didn't do it to get paid because they wouldn't get paid, but what they would get is you know, they'd, they'd get cups of tea and they get, <laughs> yeah. get fed, they get fed a bit as much as circumstances would allow at the time. But when the job was done, they'd have a little celebration, right? So there, there might be a bottle of whiskey, there could be some music and a bit of dancing. There might have been some bottles of stout, whatever it was, yeah. whatever they could afford. But there would it would be marked by a bit of a celebration, and um, that that's a, and and then when 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 John would have his period of, of, of intensity, well, the favour would be returned, and everybody kind of helped each other out. Um, I use this concept as part of um, a team development framework that I. I design and it's a cheesy acronym, Stephen. It's uh, of team. It's trust, engagement, alignment, and mehl. And mehl for me is is something that uh, I think very valuable, or could be very valuable in businesses. It's, it's it's this idea of helping each other out because mm. very often I, I see dysfunctional teams, and a lot of the reason for that dysfunction is that people are operating their own agendas. They you know they might not have clarity on what their role is, uh, and they tend not to help each other out. Uh, or, or at least not enough, or, or, or collaborate very well, and, and introducing this spirit of mehel can certainly help that. You know, and, and, and it, it puts a requirement on people to, to actually get involved a bit, and, and, and obviously there's a process behind it. But that, that's how I use mehel. But I use it in, 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 in different contexts, and obviously with the, with the Mehel hikes, with, with the performance nerds. That's again, it's bringing people together. You know, and, and for me, that's what it's about. And, and on those hikes. People will help each other out. They'll they'll talk about their business or an issue they might be having, and th- you know there could be ten or twenty people that they could get opinions from. And I love that idea of people talking and and, and sharing and sharing a, a, maybe a problem or a challenge or an idea and getting some feedback or some so so again a bit of a two and fro conversation on it.
0: And t- and thinking of a situation in a way they never talked before, or talking to people that are getting feedback from people that they never have got feedback from. So it's a totally different yeah. perspective.
1: And again, it's that objective view, right? It, it's yeah. it's people looking at the problem from a from a completely different perspective, mm. uh, looking from the outside in. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of value in that. But and then when you have a team, it's it's looking at themselves and how they interact, how they collaborate, how they how they how they work together, how they communicate. You know, and and there's a couple of processes behind that then to help them do that better.
0: Wow. The um, I t- Brian, if I take it back at you back, we actually, we're talking earlier, actually, just about mindfulness and your partner is kind of interest in, in mindfulness mm-hmm. as well. Um, if you don't mind, I kind of to steer the conversation more to uh, like towards mindful living, and my, it's yeah. it's something I, I ask all, all all people um on the podcast, and like I was I was you know, alluding to earlier, it's it's because I love people taking ownership of their own mindful journey. Um, mm-hmm. so if I ask the question, um, what does mindful living mean to you? What does it mean in your world?
1: To me, it means being aware of what I'm doing and who I'm doing it with. Uh, being aware of how I'm how I'm behaving in that space and with those people. Um, you know, we hear the word that we being present. I, I suppose that's important because when we are there, all of us—you know, mind, body, spirit—we um, can, we can, we can interact better. We can. Take a lot more from it. We can relax a lot more because our mind isn't in in five different places while our body is here doing this. Uh, we can we can relate to people better. You know, I mean, take the talk that you were at. Uh, I I try to be very mindful and, and and present when I'm when I'm doing those because I have to be. I have you know I want to be aware of what's going on in an audience mm-hmm. and 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 looking for reactions the in, in terms of how people are are, are receiving it. And then being able to to handle some questions afterwards. So, uh yeah, I, I suppose to me it 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 is being there all of me
0: being there. Yeah. Oh wow, the um and like like you were you you were mentioned there about your mind going to different places, and I'm sure mm-hmm. like um actually do you mind me asking actually um when you 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 obviously have been diagnosed with ADHD, and mm-hmm. that's not something you knew when you were younger, is it? That was something. When you found no, out I, I did order. I did
1: know. I only I found out uh, about two and a half years ago. Wow. Um, I always knew it was a bit different, though.
0: Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, there's probably a lot of adults out there in that situation where they mm. have that race in mind. They have, and it is possibly ADHD, but they've never realised. Um, is there any tips you'd give to anybody who's in a, kind of a similar type of situation?
1: Um <clears throat> a couple of things I want to say in this. So, so the way my ADHD brain works and, and the best way mm-hmm. I can describe it is it's like having three or four browser windows open inside my head. And in each window, there's maybe 40 or 50 tabs open, right? And they're all running at the same time. Now, I'm not consciously aware of them all mm-hmm. running at the same time, yeah. but but I have this ability that I can put stuff into my head, let it percolate, as I call it. Uh, you know, it might be an idea or a problem mm-hmm. and, and something will come to me eventually about it. Um. There's a lot of positives to ADHD. That you know, there's a lot of a lot of. Um, uh, I don't. I don't want to use the word gifts. There's there's, there's a lot of, of of positive attributes to it, but there's also mm-hmm. a lot of negative. Right? Uh, what can happen at times is all of those all of those uh, browser windows and tabs all come at the same time in flood, and it be it, it can become very overwhelming. Um Now, what I say to people is. If you think you have ADHD, behave behave as if you do and and research it. Getting a a diagnosis can be hard because there's a shortage of of professionals to do that. It's expensive. Um, So if if you think you do, well, then start behaving that way and start to understand how your ADHD works, right? How your brain, your unique brain works. Uh, a, A lot of us will have similarities, but there's also some some quirks as well that, that that will be personal to us um if it's if if you if you also have anxiety or, or depression that goes with it start doing things to help that um you know again not everybody is fortunate enough to be able to access therapists i was very lucky i could afford to do that and I'm 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 acutely aware that there's many people out there that are are struggling, whether it's ADHD or autism or Asperger's or anxiety or depression or bipolar, any of these things that can't, right? So there's loads and loads of information online um, loads of good organisations ar- around ADHD that, that put out really good information. Um, but I think start doing things to, to help yourself also. So for me, running was a huge help. The mountains have always been a huge help. Cooking was a huge help. Writing um is a huge help. Music is a is a is a really important thing for me. Um but I think the most important thing for me is, is exercise. I've got to I've yeah. gotta exercise, I've gotta train every day. And you know, that's that's hugely beneficial to anxiety, to depression, and also the ADHD. Um and it's not a case of you've got to go out and run ultramarathons. You've got to go you know, the the best place to start is go out and walk yeah. for half an hour yeah. every day get Definitely. outside yeah. get outside if you can get if you can get anywhere near some trees and uh, or mountains do that if you can't don't worry get out get out and get half north exercise every day you'll start to, you'll start to feel better right now obviously if, if it's very acute and it and it, it's it's it's, um, it's having a major impact on your life you you know go see a GP talk Look, to a medical yeah. professional absolutely but get out there and walk Get out, you know, you as I said, you don't have to run. If you've got a bike, get out on the bike, get the heart rate up a bit, and burn off that that excess adrenaline that 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 that, that does an awful lot to drive um, uh, anxiety. One other thing I think is very important as well is is become aware of food triggers. Okay. Right. Oh. Um, caffeine. I'm caffeine sensitive. Right. Right. I. 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 I no longer. Um, I I no longer consume caffeine in in any form, yeah. or any or any stimulant. Um, uh, sugar is a big one. I'm not so good on that. I'm getting better, but I'm not so good on that one yet. Um, gluten was a big one for me. Uh, I'm yeah. not a celiac, but but I I do have an intolerance of some description. When I stopped, um, eating gluten, I felt better. Wow. You know th- so um, but i but i think food and, and and our lifestyles play play a major part in this um one of the thing that i say is become aware of toxic relationships of people who drain you uh, and while it's not always possible to to eliminate those relationships we can minimize them uh, to a large extent and and i think that's a that's a really positive thing to do for yourself
0: absolutely and that i think that's amazing advice and like like you said it's everybody's journey is going to be different and hopefully something in there might help someone but um and I've always said as well the first thing is just talk to people just get out there and talk but exercising like you said it doesn't have to be an ultramar just get out no. and walk just get out just there get and walk you
1: know half an hour that's it yeah, half that's an it. hour get the, get the heart rate up a bit uh
0: Start listen to I... notice
1: what's going on around you
0: I've really enjoyed um, chatting to you, and I'm sure that many of the people listening will be interested in the likes of the the performance nerds, uh, metal hike, or um, so even getting you into talk, maybe in their own company. Um if people want to contact you, Brian, what's the best way to to get get out and contact you?
1: Uh, LinkedIn is is a is a good place to find me. Um, my website is is briandowns. dot com. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh I'm not that often on Twitter. Uh and uh, the performance nerds web- website is performancenerds.com. So performance So any of nerds. those is, is good is, is are all good places to find me.
0: As always, I have a show notes page and I'll stick all those links as well. So if anyone's looking uh to contact you, they will. But listen, Brian, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation and um, just uh just getting to know getting to know you and just your your journey, it's it's been amazing. I know that a lot of people will We'll get a lot from your honesty and um, just your your encouragement just to get out there, just get out there yeah. and, and do things. But uh, listen, Brian Downs, thank you so much for being on the Mindful Living Guide.
1: Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me. appreciate it.
0: So we you have our episode with Brian. Um, listen, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you got a lot from it. As always, when we talk about our own journeys, we have to obviously put a caveat as this is what worked for us and this uh, everybody's journey is very different. So the advice is always to seek professional help and uh, and talk. And like Brian said, just get out that door, get exercise. If you listen to the podcast every week, why not just get out there and just walk and uh, enjoy both at the same time. So listen, thank you for, as always, sharing your time. I really appreciate uh, people listening to the podcast and the feedback we get each week. Uh, if you know anyone can benefit from, please just share, word them out is so important. And actually, while we're talking about word of mouth, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you may notice a question. What do you think of this episode? If you click reply, uh, you can leave a review of the episode. I'd really appreciate that. Just get some feedback on what you guys are thinking of the episode so far. And if there's anything that you think we should add or change, really appreciate the feedback. So listen, you. I've been Stephen Downey and you've been listening to The Mindful Living Guide.